Good morning. It's good to see you here this morning. I want to be brutally honest with you this morning that this is a message that I have labored over and struggled. I'm going to be honest with you. I will offend some of you this morning. But I believe now more than ever that there's an attack on the family. I believe now more than ever marriage is considered a joke. And we have even seen it crept into the church to let what happened happens. And it's a travesty. I never will forget several years ago that I was asked to marry this young couple. Now, if any of you have ever talked to me, I have rules. Number one, you must be a believer in Jesus Christ. Number two, you're going to meet with me several times. And number three, I reserve the right to say no. And I'm going to tell you why. And I never will forget this family turned on me because they said, I don't understand why you won't marry my child. Because I think that marriage is a covenant and not a contract. And see, unfortunately, listen to me, even in the church, professing Christians' divorce rate is that of the non-churched. Brothers and sisters, there's never been a time to stand up. It's now for our marriage. And I pray that as you go through this with me, I'm going to say some things that's going to make you uncomfortable. You see, what I'm going to do is, I thought after I did the children last week, most people probably thought, well, now Chad's going to get into the submission of the wives. And the part of the husband, everybody, yeah. No, actually, I'm going to be in the Song of Solomon because I don't believe people understand what love is. And there's some things that you will find in the Song of Solomon that will make you blush. But let me assure you of this. If it's written in God's Word, I'm going to share it. Because it's worth it all. If you have your Bibles, I ask would you turn, to me, turn with me to the Song of Solomon, chapter 2. Now, I'm going to begin in chapter 2. Now, let me explain to you what's going on. Song of Solomon, or what we'd call the Song of Songs, is we believe eight chapters it was written by Solomon. You will find it tucked in between Ecclesiastes and Isaiah. It's a very beautiful book. Even some people will say it was an allegory between Christ and the church or God and Israel. But I believe with all my heart, it is a beautiful, beautiful illustration of what it means for a man, blood between a man and woman. And what you will find here is you'll say, well, how can this man, who was a, was a polygamist, if you will, write such a book? Because let me tell you how. This is early in his life. His eyes began to get jaded a little later in his life. This same man who would find this love and this passion for one woman, his eyes would be turned according to the book of Kings. And would he have wives and concubines over 1,000? 
But I believe that God's timing is perfect. And what he wrote in this book is something that we all need to take heed and learn. I have named this, Oh, the Little Foxes. I pray whether you're married, whether you've been married, or whether you're dating, please go with me on this. Because I can assure you, if you don't hear it the biblical way in church, the world will give you their way outside of it. I have wept. I have struggled with this passage. I have been married for 30 years. And I will not tell you that it's always been cake and ice cream. I did not hold it together, nor did my wife. Christ did. Because I'm a flawed man. And I am married to a flawed woman. And without Christ, we cannot be made whole. Song of Solomon chapter 2. Let's read together. Stand as we read God's word. And I'm going to go through some of this and I'll break it down so you'll know who's saying what, okay? Song of Solomon chapter 2, verse 1 through 15. She says, I am the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valleys. He says, like a lily among the thorns, so is my darling among the maidens. She says, like an apple tree among the trees of the forest, so is my beloved among the young men. In his shade I took great delight and sat down, and in his fruit was sweet to my taste. He has brought me to his banquet hall, and his banner over me is love. Amen. Sustain me with raisin cakes. Refresh me with apples, because I am lovesick. Let his left hand be under my head, and his right hand embrace me. I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or by the hinds of the field, that you do not arouse or waken my love until she pleases, as he would say. Listen, my beloved, behold, he is coming, climbing on the mountains, leaping on the hills. My beloved is like a gazelle or young stag. Behold, he is standing behind our wall. He is looking through the windows. He is peering through the lattice. My beloved responded and said to me, Arise, my darling and my beautiful one, and come along, for behold, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone. The flowers have already appeared in the land, and the time has arrived for the pruning of the vines, and the voice of the turtle dove has been heard in our land. The fig tree has ripened its figs, the vines are in blossom, and have given forth their fragrance. Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, and come along. O oh, my dove, in the clefts of the rock, in the secret place, in the steep pathway, let me see your form, let me hear your voice. For your voice is sweet, and your form is lovely. Catch the foxes for us. The little foxes that are ruining the vineyards, while our vineyards are in blossom. You may be seated. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. And God, I pray today that your words would be spoken, not the words of Chad, but the words of you May they resonate among us. May we take them upon us. May we learn. May we grow that, Lord, you orchestrated marriage between a man and a woman. You sustained that marriage. That you would be glorified. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. If we could go back to the first slide. I'm going to give you a little bit of imagery here. Now, you're not familiar with some of these terms. Because we live many thousand years later. But the terms and the imagery and this poetic being said is beautiful. It's beautiful. 
You see, she says, I am the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valleys. Now, I honestly know that sometimes you've heard that applied to Christ. Let me tell you about the lily and the rose of Sharon. You see, it's not a rose like you would think it'd be a rose. It's not this big old tulip bowl. It was a common flower that grew in the valley of Sharon. Listen to me. A common flower. She says, I am a rose. I'm a common person. You know, you think about this. Yes, she was beautiful. Yes, she was. She was a Shulamite, dark-skinned lady that was beautiful. But in her eyes, how beautiful could she be to attract the eyes of Solomon? She didn't feel she was worthy. But look what he says. Like a lily among the thorns, so is my darling among the maidens. Now, I want you to think about this for a few moments. I'm going to give you point number one. They enjoy each other. They enjoy each other for his and her eyes only. Now, I want you to listen to me here. People want to see what love is. When you look at your spouse and they're the world to you, they're everything to you. You desire to be around them. You desire to tell them how beautiful you are. There are. You desire their presence. And you desire everything about them. That is what he is saying. In this eyes, in my eyes for my wife, in her eyes for me, are for me only. And for her only. I prayed about saying this. And maybe I'm going to say it. <laughs> They're admiring each other's beauty. Each other and each other alone. One of the most damaging things you can do in your marriage is talk about how hot or good somebody else looks. I'm so tired of seeing Christians on Facebook... Talk about Matthew McConaughey, how hot he is. This lady, how beautiful she is. Your wife is beautiful. She was created in God's image. And let me tell you something. If you are looking at another person lustfully, you have committed adultery and you're not right with God. For your eyes only. I see my wife more beautiful now than I did 33 years ago when we started dating. You know why? Because God creates beauty, not man. And I love what I see. I'm going to tell you something else I'm tired of Christians doing. And this part I wasn't going to say. But I'm going to say it. Because I have got nothing to lose at this point. <laughs> for your eyes only means this. Your body is for your spouse and your spouse alone. I'm tired of seeing Christians let their children and their wives and men walk around just exposing things that you would see on church's fried chicken menu. Yeah, I'll hear about that in the text later. But I'm going to tell you this. My wife's body's mine and mine is hers. And why, as a born-again believer, would you want somebody else to want what you have? 
You see what he's saying? You're the lily among the thorns. It's mine. It's mine. You enjoy each other's presence. You want to be around each other. How many times do we go to supper and we see, sit, see couples sit and eat and never say a word to one another? We see people on their cell phones. All they do is talk on their cell phones while they're eating. And what we've allowed this world to do is take over what God had intended should be between us. They desire to be around each other. I desire to be around my wife. I want to tell you something else why I'm on a roll. Me desiring to want to be around my wife and my wife wanting to be around me, she is not my ball and chain. She is not my old lady. Listen to me, man. You call your wife an old lady, you stop! It's not your old lady, it's your wife. She's not my ball and chain. She's my wife. I enjoy being around her. If you don't enjoy being around your spouse, have you ever thought maybe you're the problem? But I love Jesus, do you? Because the reason I wanted to go into this before I go into how Christ loves the church and submission and all this, if we look at the Song of Solomon and see what real love is, submission and leading will never be a problem. Like an apple tree. Among the trees of the forest. Listen to what she's saying. Like an apple tree among the forest. So is my beloved among the young men. In his shade I took great delight and sat down. And his fruit was sweet to taste. He has brought me to his banquet hall. And his banner of love is over me. Sustain me with raisin cakes. Refresh me with apples. Because I am lovesick. His left hand be under my head. And his right hand embrace me. What she is saying here. Number two. This is beautiful. She is praising God for her provision. Ladies and gentlemen, listen to me. You want to be a leader in your home? You provide for your wife and your family. She said he is an apple tree. Do you know what you see? You may miss this imagery, but let me explain to you what this means. An apple tree in a wild forest was a rare treat. And she describes him as her provision and sustenance. You know what? I honestly believe with all my heart, ladies, you can help me with this. A woman wants a man that she knows will take care of her. Amen? Amen. A woman wants to know she's provided for. And when she looks in that love and she looks at this, see, this is during the courtship. That number one, he loves me and me alone. And number two, he's going to provide for me. I see so many people, and I've done so much marriage counseling, and here's the thing. Look, I'm not no professional psychiatrist or psychologist. Praise God. But what I would tell you, you would be surprised why people say they get married. I've heard it all. And one of the things I ask married couples or those who want to get married, describe to me what love is. 
you'd be surprised what you hear. You see, because I believe that love that God has given us that we to have between a man and a woman that he's provided, that he's the author of it, and his word clearly defines what love is. Because how can we love others if we don't love God first? That knowing just like she's praying for sustenance, sustain me with raisin cakes, refresh me with apples, because I am love sick. When's the last time you looked your spouse in the eyes and told him you was love sick? You know, I don't know about you, but it bothers me when I'm away from my spouse. I don't like being away. You know what? It may be 3 o'clock in the morning. It may be 1 in the afternoon. But regardless of what happens, my wife knows to the best of my ability, I'll try to provide and meet her needs. As led by God. Because as a follower of Jesus Christ, he has instilled upon me this. He who don't take care of his family is worse than an unbeliever. That's what the Bible says, people. The sustenance. Number two, that she enjoys her provision. This man sustains. Well, look at verse 7. I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or the hinds of the field, that you do not arouse or awaken my love until she pleases. Let me tell you what that means. And I'm going to give this PG-13. Number three, true love waits. Do you hear me? Because it's not the time. When you're courting, should that physical desire be there? Absolutely. But it should never be fulfilled until that marriage is there. Period. Listen to me. Because once you break those bounds, you give a part of yourself away that you can never retrieve. True love waits. I will share with you a story that's going to shock you. Maybe not, I don't know. Had a person come up to me at church one day and tell me their daughter was getting married. How am I going to word this? In other words, she told me that this marriage should be like when you test drive a car, check it out to make sure everything's okay. I was told that by a church member. And my response, well, if that's the attitude, you're L-O-S-T. That's the problem with the day, people. That we treat marriage like a car. Once the new fragrance runs out, we trade it in for something else. You see, even Solomon, who would be one of the greatest polygamists in the Bible, would write a book called Ecclesiastes at the end of his life that would say this, the eye is never satisfied with seeing nor the ear hearing because you know why? All is vanity. Everything under the sun is vanity. In all these chapters, he bashes the wisdom, sex, and money of the world to tell you this. In two final verses, I have come to this conclusion to love the Lord God and keep his commands. 
You see, what you see here is a woman that is, and a man that are in love with each other. They want to be around each other. She is thanking God for the sustenance and the provision of him. And he is saying, let's wait. Let's wait. Because I'm going to tell you, listen to me, young girls and young boys. Listen to me, if you never hear another word I say. There used to be a phrase that went around that says, if you'll love me, you'll let me. Let me tell you something. If they love you, they won't even ask. Did I shake you up? Did I bother you? Let me tell you something, people. Listen to me. It's time for the church to start living like the church of God instead of the church of the world. Look what he says. She says, listen, my beloved, behold, he is coming. Climbing on the mountains and then leaping on the hills. My beloved is like a gazelle or young stag. Behold, he is standing behind a wall. He is looking through the windows. He is peering through the lattice. My beloved responded and said to me, arise, my darling, and come. And my beautiful, beautiful one, come along. I want you to think about this. You know what he's saying? And she's saying, the anticipation of seeing one another. You know, I don't know about you. Have you ever been on a long trip? They, they've often been that saying that, you know, loneliness makes the heart grow fonder. Is that what it is? Separation, whatever it is. I believe that's true. Because I think about my wife every day when I'm at work and I'm only gone for nine and a half hours. She anticipated the coming of her provider and her lover. That's, that's love, brothers and sisters. When you get shaky need and going, she's coming. He's coming. I can't wait to spend time with my family. How about you? You know, I often think to myself, again, that people want to be married, but they want to be single too. I'm going to get into a very important part of this in just a few moments. But listen to me. When you become married, you become one. It's one flesh. A man and a woman. Do you hear that? Shout it from the mountaintops. Because that's a hill I'll die on. And if you're a born-again believer in Christ, you ought to die on it too. The anticipation. Do you look forward to your spouse coming home? Do you look forward to seeing each other? Look what it also says. My beloved responded and said to me, Rise, my darling, my beautiful one, come along. For behold, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone. And the flowers have already appeared in the land. The time has arrived for the pruning of the vines, and the voice of the turtle dove has been heard in our land. The fig tree has ripened its figs, the vine and blossom has given forth their fragrance. Arise, my darling, the beautiful one, and come along. Let me tell you something. Let me put it in Greenian language. Married couples, you need to get away every now and again. I want to tell you something that I often tell people. That I enjoy spending time with my family, but there's time that mom and daddy need to get along. 
If you never hear another word I say, you hear this, and you can agree with me, that's okay. You can be wrong, but listen to me. Every couple needs a date night. You need to get along and focus on one another. No, that's not neglecting your family. That's lifting each one of you up. Whether you get along for prayer for a weekend or whether you go to the movies and a calm dinner, you need to get rid of distraction for a while. This is what I'm going to get into. You see, I can promise you that sometimes in marriage, some people are so busy with life, they forget about their marriage. And all of a sudden, we'll get to the next verse. This is where the little foxes come in. Oh, my dove in the clefts of the rock and the secret place, steep pathway, let me see your form, let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your form is lovely as they spend in time with one another. Catch the foxes for us. The little foxes that are ruining the vineyards while our vineyards are in blossom. Now that's funny to throw that in there. What about a fox? Let me tell you about a fox. Fox is a conniving little booger. See, foxes would destroy vineyards. They'll tear up the low-hanging fruit. They will overrun it. They're devious little things. They're pretty to look at. But they will destroy vineyards. Let me tell you something. Foxes will destroy marriages too. Now let me explain to you what I mean. Catch the little foxes for us. You see, foxes have the notorious ability to ruin things. So I'm going to tell you what foxes will do in your marriage. First of all, to catch the foxes, it takes a team. You ever seen fox runs where they release the hounds? The foxes that can come into your marriage, it takes both of you. Centered on the very word of God. Let me give you some foxes that can destroy your relationship. Number one, the fox of deception. You see, I have been told all my life and you have too, men, if you've ever worked in industry in your life. It's okay to look, just don't touch. Have you heard that? Let me tell you something. If you've looked, you might as well touch, because according to the Bible, you've committed adultery. Deception's a very interesting thing. It's called getting your eyes off the prize and getting it on something else. You've been deceived by something that you thought was greater. See, Eve was deceived, deceived in the garden because the, sea of the, the fruit was pleasing to the eyes. Did you hear me? Sin often looks pleasing, but sin is deceptive. And seeing that that looked good, tasted good, and felt good was totally destructive. And let me assure you, any couple that is here today whether you're married, get married, or be married again, listen to me. That once you get your eyes off Christ, you are very easily deceived. And that is a fox that will ruin your relationship. The deception. The eyes deceive. The heart will deceive. But are your eyes aware of that fox of deception? You see,
If you look at this world today and how America views marriage, all we have done is turn into ancient Rome. I'll even take it a little farther. Let's call ourselves Babylon. It's hedonism. It's hedonism and humanism. Because again, we treat marriage as something that just is like a book. Once it gets old, I'll return it to the library or maybe sell it cheaper than what I paid for it. Don't be deceived because if your marriage is rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ, the beauty will always be the same because it's surrounded by Jesus. Don't be deceived. And let me tell you somehow some marriages are deceived. I wasn't going to go here, but I'm going to go. I'm not going off on tangent, but I'm going to tell you what deception does to you. Most of the time that I have met believers that have fallen into sin or of adultery, it started out as a textual affair. It started out as something, and when I say textual, it started out as something simple. I said this one night at a Wednesday Bible study, and I ask that you hear me when I say this. You can hear me on TV. You can disagree with it. I do not care, but listen to this. Any couple that has problems never, ever, ever discuss those problems with somebody of the opposite sex. Because there's always somebody that says, I wouldn't cause those problems. And what starts out as something simple will be a fox that will destroy that vineyard of marriage. Rest assured. Deception. Another fox is distraction. You see, I often have told you this. When I go to the beach, I don't wear sunglasses. Now, that's probably why I'm half blind. But I don't wear sunglasses. Why? Because I want my wife to see that my eyes are not distracted by anybody else but her. I don't hide behind something to justify it. You see, we're sinful people that are easily distracted. So what you have to do, listen to me, is remove that distraction. Now go with me on this. David did not sin with Bathsheba because he looked. David sinned with Bathsheba because he lingered. And then he lusted. Now think about this. David was distracted, and when he should have been at war, he was on top of the roof of the palace. And what he did, he didn't look over and go, oh! He looked down and went, whoa! Then he easily got distracted. And then he lusted, and he sinned. And not only did he sin with his adultery, he became a murderer too. Because he cried to cover his sin up. Brothers and sisters, we are easily distracted. Don't you say, Chad, I would never do this. Let me tell you something. At any point in time, you take your eyes off Christ, you can do anything. Please hear me. Because we're easily distracted when we get our eyes off Jesus Christ. What distracts you? You see, I know me. People often talk to me and, and, and then I'll go, my eyes be going all over the place. I'll have those squirrel moments. I do. 
But I understand this, that in my marriage with my wife, that I have to be focused on her because that is who our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, our Holy Father, the Creator of all things, has put in my place or put in my presence. And I have to rely on Him and cling to Him and hold her at the same time. Is Christ at the center of your life? Number three, the fox of destruction. Guys, there are times when we get our lives off Christ that marriages have been shattered because they've been distracted, they've been deceived, deceived, and now they're destroyed. Let me tell you something. Sin will take you farther than you ever want to go. As the song goes, slowly but holy, taking control. Sin will leave you longer than you want to stay. Sin will cost you far more than you want to pay. You see, I can promise you that that fox of destruction comes about because when we get our eyes off Christ, not only do we see things creep into our marriage, but we also let an unforgiving attitude come into our marriage too. You see, I want you to understand that when we tell people when they get married to death do us part, we mean it. I used to do, and I still do sometimes, do this shock factor. My same wife that I looked at in front of the preacher 30 years ago, and I looked at her and said, I will love you and care for you and serve you till death do us part. Now, the same wife that was sitting there, listen to me, with her jet black hair, those long eyelashes, they had me. <laughs> you know. But he said something I'll never forget. Listen to me. Listen to me. And I had hair. I lost my hair in my 30s, actually. But anyway, uh, that was a long time ago. But anyway, listen to me. He said, now I want you to look at her when she's sick as a dog laying on the floor. And how ironic when cancer has struck that body. And it's taken every ounce of her being just to breathe. When she's sick as a dog, when her hair begins to fall out, the wrinkles come into her face. I said, I love her still. He looked at me when I gained 50 pounds. Boy, he missed that by 100, didn't he? <laughs> and did the same thing with me. Because if you're sitting here, we all have aged, or all will age. But beauty is based on what God's Word says, not what men say. And if your world, your marriage, your life is centered around Christ, listen to me. Your spouse will be just as beautiful as the day you said, I do. Please don't let the foxes come into your marriage. You must fight them together. You see, as we see this beautiful imagery of someone who longs to be with each other, 
who longs to complement each other, who anticipates one another's coming, who anticipates today that their marriage can be consummated. We should have that same feeling today whether you've been married one year or 50. Why? Because Christ is at the center of it. Do you see where I'm going with this? Now, I know this is not popular, and maybe I've offended or hurt somebody's feelings, but listen to me. My job is not to offend. God's Word does that enough on its own. He does not need my help. But one thing I want you to know is if I had not had Christ in my life, I wouldn't still be with her and she still wouldn't be with me because I'd have done something stupid. Christ has got to be at the center of your life. And when you work together, you focus together, you will grow together. So how do we fight the foxes real quickly, okay? Listen to me. Number one, you pray together. We've all been guilty about this, wanting to pray, fall asleep in the midst of it. Do you spend time with your spouse in prayer? This is important. Because I'm going to tell you something. When you ask God for guidance and wisdom, he'll give it to you. And we need him in our marriages. We need him. We need to grow. You see, here's the difference. And this is why I wanted to go through the part of it first. And I don't want to fast forward this, but look, if you're a man and you're the leader of your family, you need to step up to the plate. Because this same woman that looked for his provision, not only are our wives looking for physical provision, but they're looking for spiritual provision. Are you the spiritual leader of your household? Do you pray together? Number two, do you spend time in God's Word together? Me and my wife do. We argue about certain things, but that's kind of cool. No, in all seriousness, nothing makes me feel like I'm wanted. Listen to me. Listen to me. You're going to think I'm going somewhere else with this. Nothing makes me feel like I'm wanted and I'm needed. My wife coming to me and says, Chad, let's talk about this first. Or what does this mean? Or what can That's awesome. You know why? Because I have a wife that wants to seek the kingdom of Christ. And I'm not ashamed. You study God's word together. See, we were talking in our catechism class just a few minutes ago about going through some of these books and going through the catechisms and understand that the church's definition of certain things in the church, they don't know. They know what they've heard, but they have no foundation in which to stand because unfortunately now people are not being taught doctrine in church, they're being entertained. And we have turned the gospel into six flags over Jesus. Are you spending time in word? Are you spending time in prayer? And you're going to say, I knew you were going to say this because you're a preacher. Listen to me. Is church a priority or is it secondary? 
church a priority or is it secondary? You see, I used to struggle in my marriage before I got saved. You see, I was raised in church. knew all the right answers. Well, maybe some of you. But I never had a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, there was two people, like I said, that people saw, what church people saw and what the world saw. Most importantly, what Christ saw in me. You see, church wasn't a priority. Myself was a priority. Because I understood what I thought the Bible said, but yet I never went to, the, to, to worship with other believers to grow in wisdom. See, I heard what somebody else regurgitated, and I took that as law and used to use it as leverage on my wife. And my wife would often quote to me, how can you say something like that? And you never go to church. when it make me matter. But when I got saved, I learned that not only did I want to be around my wife more and my kids more, but I wanted to be around the people of God and worship my Savior more. And you grow together. And I saw that this man who my older boys played every sport you can imagine. They played all the sports. They were good athletes. I was horrible. Maybe I was trying to push them into something that I wasn't. But what I learned is when my boys had something to do on Sunday, we'd go to the coaches and say, it ain't happening today, people. I love you, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. If church becomes secondary early in your married and family life, it'll be secondary when you're 30 years from now. Now, I know people say, well, Chad, I work, I understand that. Hear what I'm not saying, but those that work will want to desire to be here. I know different things happen, but let me tell you something. Trust me, one of the biggest, and I didn't get into this. One of the biggest foxes that we can get ourselves in a mess with was listening to the fox of the wrong people. Listen to old Fred Fox over there who will deceive you. Oh, I don't have to go to church to have a relationship with Jesus. God don't mind. Let go and let God. That sin don't count. That's a little one. And pretty soon we believe that garbage. And our marriages are destroyed because we took our face off Christ, our eyes off Christ, and put it on the world. And we are deceived, we're distracted, and we're destroyed. In closing, listen. I ask that you go back and read this passage yourself. Because verse 16, which I didn't put on there, is one of my favorite verses. I am my beloved's and they are mine. Because an eye that is on Christ and on your spouse is a marriage that the very gates of hell can't shake. If you cling to the person and the work of Christ, you will have issues. You will argue. You and Timothy fight. Oh, wow. 
All you people out there, whoever says I've been with my spouse 40 years, we've never fought. Uh, and we'll get into that a little later in the series too. How do you argue or how do you disagree? You see, Chad, I, I don't know about all this family stuff. Well, I pray that you're here. Because everything that we do in our marriage and everything that we do in our life is found in God's Word. And I'm praying that we're going to grow together in this. Last week I got the kids. I'm going to hammer the families for a while. But listen to this. It's not something that I say flippantly. But I've had to learn the hard way. But I've also learned the godly way. And I will fail and I'll let her down. But the one fox that we've learned with each other to watch is that forgiveness fox. Unforgiveness will destroy a marriage. That does not give me a hall pass to live like hell. But she realizes I'm a flawed man in need of a flawed Savior. I mean of a perfect Savior. Not a flawed Savior, let me repeat that. I'm a flawed man who has been saved by an unflawed Savior. Because every one of you are flawed. Every one of you. Every one of you will sin. Every one of you will be tempted. Every one of you will struggle. But I can promise you when you put your eyes and your focus on Christ who is unflawed, you that are dirty can be made clean by the very power of Jesus. In closing, one more thing. I know some of you may say, well, Chad, I've been married. And I'm not married anymore. I've had a lot of things going on in my life. Or maybe you are married and your spouse don't want to come to church. Maybe you're troubled. Maybe your marriage is in trouble. Listen to me. You know the point I just give you about praying with one another? You say, Chad, my spouse won't pray with me. And you pray for your spouse. My wife will tell you before I got saved, I had a friend of mine that would call and pray with her continuously because of me. Now, y'all didn't know me 30 years ago. Well, some of you did, sorry. Some of you did, a couple of you. But what I will tell you, I wasn't that what the world would consider an evil guy. But I was evil in the eyes of the Lord because I was unsaved. I was never there. I wanted to do life my way. But she didn't give up on me. And she prayed. And she prayed. And she prayed. And that unflawed Savior saved this flawed man. And I have never been the same. Christ changes people. He does. And I can promise you today that if you are not have a if you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, as I say many times, I don't know when you're going to leave this world, but you can know how you leave it. Because every person is born with a God-sized hole that only he can fill. And the Bible tells me that whosoever shall call upon the Lord shall be saved. That if you believe in him, not believe that him, but believe in him, turn to him 
turn from sin, He will cleanse you, He will change you, and He'll give a new nature to you. And the same God that renewed my soul renewed my marriage. In 30 years, I'm still here. And you know what? Regardless of what you've been through, whether you're married, you're unmarried, you're going through marriage problems, remember this. You are created in the eyes and the hands and the works of Almighty God. And you mean something. And God forgives, He heals, He restores, and one day things may change. You may get married, you may not ever again, but remember this. You serve a Savior who will walk with you continuously. And we learn and grow for whatever plan He places before our lives. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. God, we thank you for the gift of marriage and family. God, we pray today that you would move among us, Lord, that you would restore hearts, that you would restore minds, that God, regardless of whatever someone is going through the day, Lord, I'm going to stop with the marriage first. I'm going to ask about the soul. God, because I don't care how much a person says they like or want to cling to one another, if you are not in the center of it, then that's not true love. God, I am praying that you restore souls. If there's someone that does not have a relationship with you today, the Lord, you would convict their heart before it's eternally too late. None of us are guaranteed tomorrow. But what we are guaranteed is one day we're going to stand before you. And for those that place their faith and trust in you, will the she will be the sheep. But Lord, those that profess your name but don't, you don't know them, they'll be the goats. God, I pray that you convict hearts and draw them unto you, Lord. God, I pray today that if there be one that's a marriage that is struggling, that you restore it. If there's a marriage that's about to happen, that God, you renew it. You use it. God, if there's a marriage right now in this place that is going through rocks and trials and tribulations, that God, you would teach and lead that faithful spouse that they stay on their knees and let the chips fall where they may. Lord, that those who have been hurt by marriage and maybe divorced or gone through something or spouse departure, God, I pray that you give them the strength that only you can give because you're the only one that can walk them out of it. And God, I pray for their lives to be used in a manner that glorifies you. Every person sitting here, God, was created in your image. We all have purpose. There's no worthless people here. We have worth. We are unworthy of you, but because of you, we can be made worthy. And God, I pray that first and foremost, you'd convict hearts, renew hearts, renew minds, Lord. And you would be glorified. And Lord, our anthem, may it be that the lamb that was slain would receive the reward of his suffering. And all God's people said, stand and worship with us.